after further reveal. What's up, everyone? Episode 21 of After Further Review here, and we have a fun podcast as always. We're going to talk some baseball and quickly want to give you guys the results of the Instagram polls from our all time players at After Further Review. What's up, everyone? You already know it's been a hot summer so far, but we're keeping it cool on AFR, always hitting the hot topics, but giving you what we like. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Chase for running. If you haven't checked it out, go on Instagram. We have a sim for the MLB home run derby between the one and only Del Crandall against Mike Piazza. And believe it or not, it was a really close match. But Mike Piazza pulled out the dub. So he is the all time starting catcher for after further review. Yeah. Just watching that real quick, Chase. That was awesome that you gathered that together because I know it wasn't the easiest to find a Del Crandall, which is a shame. But yeah, Chase yeah. had to make make one, and I think pretty accurately. And it, yeah, it was a it was a battle. I thought Mike Piazza was gonna run run away with it. I yeah, and when I first watched it, actually, like one minute in, I was like, Mike Piazza's swinging so slow, he's gonna run out of time. <laughs> like he's not gonna. Yeah, and then he had a nice swing and miss, like two minutes in and i was like what's going on but I, then, I was just gonna say like those four minutes were cooking during the entire time i was like he's not gonna have enough time to get to get this yeah no it was a it was a close one and so mike piazza and then chad bradford got the got the dub for a relief pitcher and we did not post it yet but the winner of first base ended up being mickey so mickey got the dub I voted for Joey Votto personally, even though I picked Justin Morneau. But yeah, that was my, my first. I don't know how many how many guys I'm going to pick that end up on this all time starting nine. Everyone, thanks for voting. Keep voting for upcoming players. But yeah, super pumped. And I feel like I feel like Miggy was a nice pick for me, and I'm, I'm glad he ended up on the team. Yeah, we got some good votes for the first base, and we had at least each uh, player had at least one vote, so that was good to see. And get some variety and some more uh more votes kicking in i'm hyped for this team and by the way on mlb the show they have like the teams laid out so it's all 32 teams and then there's different divisions so it's like old-timey ones and then yeah. uh, second generation like piazza and then newer players mm-hmm. but we could have our team play off against those teams in like a sim battle too that's true we'll definitely yeah. do something like that and we could i think it'd be cool we could do our own starting nine like we could easily do the three of us against the after further review one and have like a four team like round robin type thing. yeah oh, I oh yeah like, i like, I like that. that a lot yeah i like that so, one too so we'll do something like that but before we get into those picks because we have some more today you already know second base and center field some tons of options tons of options but i think we're going to start with the trivia oh yeah here we go it's a guess the player mlb edition all right, here we go. I actually need you guys to pick for me real quick. There's two, so you guys just have to pick A or B. Oh, I, I B. Messed, Yeah, okay. All right, B. All right, here we go. I'm a former MLB player. All right, here we go. Question number one. I'm a former MLB player who was a starting pitcher, known for my versatility and ability to strike out batters. Pretty generic question number one. Number two. During my career, I played for five different MLB teams, Question number three. I threw a no-hitter in 2006. Jake Peavy? No. Close guess, though. All right. Anyways. All right. I played for Florida, Detroit, and 
Atlanta and the Washington Nationals during my career. Set Florida, Atlanta, Nationals, and Detroit. I most recently and retired with the Washington Nationals in 2022 at the age of 38. Gio Gonzalez? No. <laughs> you wanted to. Ricky Nolasco? No. Good guess, though. And I can picture him in the Nationals uniform. I'm pulling some names. I know you are. I don't. 2022. He's a, he's a classic fantasy baseball guy, like during the time. What was it? Can you tell us where his no hitter was? What team he was on for the no hitter? Oh, yeah. Wait, let me give you that. All right. So he was playing with, oh my gosh, wow. He's a rookie and he was with the Florida Marlins at the time. Go first initial. All right. It's A as an apple. I go last initial. I was going to bend some time. S as in shark. I'm out. No clue. Tab. All right. This man was Anibal Sanchez. Oh, what the heck? Yeah, who's a prime fantasy guy in our yeah. days? Yeah, sorry, those questions were garbage. They started off okay. That's why I thought they were good. I should have uh, double checked. Hopefully, someone quick. got that one. I, I, dang, I forgot about him. Yeah, we've been struggling the last few weeks. Hopefully, our listeners are getting them. Yeah. Else, tell us, and then we'll make it a lot easier. <laughs> no to Annabelle Sanchez. I think it's time for some second base action. Let's yeah. just get right into it. Let's I'm get in. right into it. You know, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first for second base. So You want to start it off then? This was a tough – the second base was harder than center field for me. Um, there was a lot of all-time greats. The mo- I know, most notable, Jackie Robinson, did not take him, but obviously that's an easy pick. Um, I went with a homer pick, and I went with Daniel Murphy as my second baseman. Mm. A 1-1 in the air, deep right center field. That ball is gone! Daniel Murphy has homered in six straight postseason games. Nobody's ever done it before. Adbury, science fiction. It's not really happening. Can't be. I like that pick a lot. Drafted in the 13th round of the 2006 draft, he was three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and most notably of all that I can remember, NLCS MVP. And he had two of his best years, unfortunately, the years after he left the Mets and the Mets didn't re-sign him. He had two fantastic years at the Nationals, one of which he was second in the MVP. Um, but during that 2005 playoffs, he was 2015. legendary. 2015, sorry. The 2015 playoffs, he was legendary. Never seen anything like it. He hit a home run in six straight games in the playoffs in the 2015 playoffs. And he was a first player with a hit run and RBI in seven consecutive playoff games since Lou Gehrig. So he had, I mean, he carried that team 2015 world series. Unfortunately they lost, but it was just a legendary and he'll always live, you know, live as a Mets legend because of that run that he had for the team. I mean, he has not in nine postseason games, he had seven home runs and that's like the same as Hank Aaron and Willie Mays had combined in 42 games. So Dang. he just a ridiculous run and not a biggest fan about his homosexual comments, but I'm leaving that out for the moment. <laughs> um, but Daniel Murphy is a player, Mets legend, and 
it was a tough call, but I I had to go with uh had to go with him. Yeah, he was so good. And I just remember him on those the Mets and then the Nationals right after that. Obviously, it was really recent, so everyone probably remembers Daniel Murphy, but he was just his hitting, like just great pieces of hitting, like every time up. And that was a wild run in 2015. He was a big contributor to them almost bring one home for you. Why didn't they resign him again? Yeah, classic. But I mean, 12 years in the MLB at 1,500 hits. Um, I mean, he had consistently, he was, you know, you can count on like 280 or higher hitter for like 10 years almost straight. I mean, he had a few years where he hit over 320. And he was just, yeah, he was a great all-around player for for them. And then uh, the Mets just, you know, Mets were just the Mets and became cheap and whatnot. But that's uh, that's the pick, going with Daniel Murphy. The solid pick. You want to go next, Chase? Okay, I'll go. So you guys might have been able to guess this one, uh, maybe leading into it, but I didn't go with a homer pick. I stayed out of Philly's territory, and instead I went with a – NL rival, and I picked Brandon Phillips, formerly of the Cincinnati Reds. Phillips hits it high and deep to left field. DeJesus runs out of room. Home run, Brandon Phillips. The reason why I picked him, I'll just give you some of his achievements real quick. He's a three-time NL All-Star, a four-time NL Gold Glove winner, and a Fielding Bible Award winner, if you put any stock into that. A silver slugger. Uh, He had three 21 home run seasons. And one 30 home run season. And he also had a 100 RBI season and a 100 run score twice. Outside of that, he was just a really slick defender, obviously backed up by his uh, defensive awards. And offensively, I know he's probably not going to light it up with average, but he would back clean up a lot of times in the order, and especially in an order that he would share with Joey Votto. That's pretty impressive uh, feat nonetheless. So he could bring the power sometimes and just get on and a crafty baseball player and like someone you can appreciate from a playing a baseball point of view like the way he was comfortable at second base and just made it look so easy and making unbelievable plays as he does it just a really fun guy to watch and i found this this is a little interesting tidbit that it goes beyond baseball it's kind of like a cork shin thing and this says that Phillips is the greatest cubic player of all time. He has more career games than anyone else, in which his uniform number, position, and rank in the batting order match. What is that called? It's called the greatest cubic player. So, okay. He has more career games than anyone else, in which his uniform number, position, and rank in the batting order match. And he wore the number four. He played second base, which is number four in the scorecard. And he put that fourth. Dang, that's great. I, that's dang. a wild stat. That really wild. Yeah. That's a Brandon Phillips stat. And uh, all right, so there's a little more on it. He achieved this combination exactly 700 times in the majors, beating out Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson at 668 times. Oh, my gosh. Is that nutty? That is nutty. Brandon Phillips is a is a great pick. Yo, and I loved watching him in the batter box, just like swinging that bat up and down, just ready to unload. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a fun guy to watch, and I definitely miss seeing him out on the field. Um, just a swagger and the way yeah. he would turn double plays and stuff like that, or catch a ball or throw it to someone and make a sliding grab and just throw it behind his back as he's sliding away from the base, you know, something with stuff like that. Just 
it was really a tune-in thing, and he was always on Sports Center, always a top ten player. I love it. I'm glad you picked Brandon Phillips. I I loved watching him, and you yeah. went. You're going back-to-back Reds now. You had Votto last week and Phillips this week, and they played together many years, first and second. Yeah. So that's yeah, I guess just something about it, just seeing them. And I don't know, not being a Reds fan, I think that's also just, I, I don't know, just players you love outside your city. It's like, I guess yeah. those two guys, I like didn't know at the time, but as I got older, I was like, hey, damn, you know, I really like those guys. Yeah. Reds had a couple between Phillips and then – uh Potential, what some consider the best second baseman of all time, too. Yeah, John Morgan. Yeah, yeah, and actually, uh, I saw he broke a record that he had. Um, oh, of he, Joe really? Yeah, of Joe Morgan's. Yeah, he. Um, Dang. Yeah, he, he uh, had the most home runs in a season by a second baseman, and was at twenty-seven, and he hit twenty-eight that year. Okay. Actually, ended up with thirty, but yeah, so he broke some records and. Definitely yeah, I mean, made a spot. Yeah. Is he a Hall of Famer or no? Phillips? Yeah. No. Not even close. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, he's a he's a great player, but he no. Okay. I just I yeah. don't know. The, dang, that's good, Chase. I like it. Uh, there's Daniel Murphy, by the way. He's definitely not. No, just, yeah. 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 He had some good runs there too. Yeah. These are good players, yeah. though, but they're yeah. yeah, they're not Hall of Famer. My my second baseman is a Hall of Famer. And this one was super hard for me. I will say I was between three guys. I had another smooth guy in mind, Robinson Cano, who mm. I love watching play. Also, very just cool, comic collected. My number two pick was Jackie Robinson because he just did some incredible things on off the field, but he probably went through more adversity than anyone else. And I almost picked him, but instead, I had to go with a now Homer pick, 1950s legend, Lil Nell, Nelly Fox, oh, baby. <laughs> Nellie Fox was traded to the White Sox from the Athletics in 1949. Easily one of the best trades in the history of the franchise. When the second baseman hit the south side of Chicago, his career took off. He spent 14 seasons with the Sox, winning an MVP in 1959 and making 12 All-Star teams. So for sure you were going out late. Oh, yeah. I know a lot I know of... for sure one of you were going out Yeah, I know. I know. I kind of left it because I was like, I don't know if Chase will go Phillips or Outley, but... I love there was a lot of I'll let you go, but I was gonna say there was a lot of older second basemen when I looked up, looked mm-hmm. it up a lot of like older guys. But let's let's hear about Nelly Fox. Oh yeah, Ni- 1950s legend, and he's from a little town, St. Thomas, Pennsylvania, which is about 10 to 15 minutes from where I live right now. I pass through this little town every day when I'm going to work, and there's a giant billboard going in on either side saying home of second base White Sox legend Nelly Fox. There's a bowling alley named after him, and I just jumped on the train. So pretty cool story. He played second base his whole life, and he actually had an opportunity to try out because during World War II, the Philadelphia Athletics had moved like a bunch of their tryouts to Frederick, Maryland. And so his parents had drove him down there because Connie Mack invited him out. Oh, So pretty cool story. And Connie Mack saw some special stuff with him got him some opportunities early on. And besides having to fight in the war, he ended up getting his playing career started in Philadelphia. But where he really thrived was for the Chicago White Sox. And that MVP season he had in 1959, where they also won the World Series. He was a career 288 hitter, but that year in the World Series, he hit 375 and just absolutely carried that team to their first ring and since the black Sox year in the early 1900s 
obviously the MVP, three-time gold glover, 12-time all-star. And yeah, I mean, the coolest stat, all that stuff's cool about him. But the coolest thing to me was that he statistically has the third best strikeout percentage in MLB history, striking out only 2.3% of the time. Dang. It's ridiculous. Only two guys have a better percent. This is like a Who five. Who are they? Do you know? Uh, I didn't recognize the names all okay. first glance. Probably so. Probably so right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, but dude, yeah, that is insane. Yeah, yeah. I saw one wow. year he only struck out 12 times, and he was just he was this five nine gritty player who would just get in the batter's box, have this giant wad of chew in his cheek, bat oh. bat choked up to like the barrel. No batting gloves, I'm assuming. No batting gloves, but he would he was hard to strike out. And yeah, I had to go with Lil Nell, hometown hero, Lil St. Thomas, Pennsylvania, and he is a Hall of Famer, inducted in 1997, read it on the billboard myself. So Dang, 12 times in a year. Wow. He came up on a lot of lists that I was, I was looking at. but So I, I love it, all different directions on that one. Yeah, that was awesome. So we got, just a recap quick, we got Nellie Fox, Brandon Phillips, and Daniel Murphy on the uh, second baseman. That's a trio. That's a trio. I like <laughs> a trio. It. Not a not a not three names you necessarily think to put together. But hey, they're they're all special in their own ways. Yeah. And only um, on after further review. Only on after further review. But you guys ready to just let's just jump right into center fielders. Let's do it. Should we just keep yeah. it going? Let's go. All, all right. right. I didn't have as good of a center fielder as I did second baseman. So I don't know if you guys want me to lead off on this one. I might just keep it rolling on my train. So so for me, center fielder was like first baseman. I didn't think anything would be as hard as first baseman, but were you guys, was center field hard for you guys? Second uh, base was harder for me. Don't lie to yourself. I'm not. Okay. I mean, I feel like center field was hard because I wasn't trying to pick like a top five player of all time. I know this is our all time list, but it's just, it is, but it isn't. And I feel like it was between like two people. I had a really tough time trying to pick between them, but. So far, I would say, yeah, this was a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I think we all, I know, like, Willie Mays is the best center fielder of all time. I don't really know if there's too much debate with it. Yeah. So, like, I don't, maybe someone did pick Willie Mays, but, like, these picks are, we're not all going to pick Willie Mays. Like, that's one of those guys I don't think there's a ton of debate on, like, who the best at the position is. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, center fielder, there's just so many – like fun center fielders just yeah. from like here since the beginning of the MLB's existence. That was just top to bottom power speed. Yeah. You get like some of the best players playing there. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's your best outfield position and this is why my picks a little, little in the low, but so for my center fielder, I went with a mid two thousands to mid 2010 fan favorite Coco Chris. Oh! Left field into the corner. Coco's back, and it is caught at the wall, up and over the wall. What a play by Coco Chris. Because I know you are going to be hype about this one. Yeah, yeah I love that I thought pick. for sure you were about to say someone else, but I'll say it after just in case someone else says it. I thought about, I thought about players like Michael Bourne, you know, the flying Hawaiian, but 
I was just like Coco Chris. Coco he Chris. was he was wild out there, and he was just so fast. And he was one of those A's guys that just loved to run, and also a World Series champ. He was um, on that Red Sox team. He played about half the World Series. Him and Jacoby Ellsbury went back and forth in 2007, but. He was on he was on there and he hit 357 in two World Series appearances he was been in one ring. I mean only a career 265 hitter, but he has a career 309 stolen bases including oh. 49 in that one year on the A's. Dang. Um, he's also he holds the A's record for most consecutive stolen bases without getting caught at 36 and that's good for 10th all time. That's impressive considering you know, Ricky Henderson was doing work on the A's. Yeah. Yeah. Super impressive. I was like, as soon as I saw that stat, I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy because I thought of Ricky Henderson, yeah. I guess. Dang. But yeah, pretty cool story. His real name's actually Cavelli, um, not Coco, but <laughs> oh. how he got the nickname was pretty funny. Growing up, his sister actually used to make fun of him, saying he looked like one of the characters on the Coco Krispies rice cereal box. And he That's told, hilarious. yeah, and he told some of his players about it in the MLB, and they just kept it going. So that's, and then it just stuck. I mean, now he's like, you don't know him as anything besides no. Coco Chris. I love the name. Yeah, but fan favorite, love the name. It's a great name. He had he had um crazy hair, crazy speed, and that's my guy. I like that. That was out of I was out of center field. <laughs> I was out of center field. Yeah. Damn, that was awesome. Chase, and I know that you you kind of indirectly helped me pick that because I you introduced me to him and you're like, yo, this guy's wild. You got to watch him play. And I just remember him on those A's teams just running wild and cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my pick. Chase, you want to go next? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, my center field pick. This is a tough one. I really had a tough time picking between the two people. And the player I had finished runner-up was Carlos Beltran. Oh. oh, I like that. And the player I had beating him out was Ken Lofton. See if they give Surhoff the green light. They do, and he hits it in the air to center field. Kenny Lofton trying to time the jump, and he makes the catch. Unbelievable. The play of the day. Wow. Oh, dude, he I'll, I'll let you go. He was underrated. Yeah, and that's exactly why I went with him. So it was tough because Carlos Beltran has a lot of home runs and, um, you know, a long career and everything. And he brought a lot of, um, you know, power to lineups. But the reason I picked him was because that Kenny Lawson's just that stereotypical center fielder, rangy. He had 622 stolen bases, which is 15th all time. Four Golden Gloves, a 299 batting average, a six-time All-Star. So, like, he was just really consistent. Like, he wasn't going to be your franchise player, but he was going to be, you know, an impact player for you, no doubt. And uh, spent a year in Philly. Obviously, at the end of his career, was not the same, but he just went through an unbelievable run early in his career, productive, and stealing bases, which I know now it means a lot more in the game today than it did a couple of years ago. But back when he was in it, it just meant so much to be able to do that as a skill. And uh, when we, whenever I make this lineup, I wanted him to be my leadoff hitter and bring that and be the, my center field leadoff guy just because of, you know, that's traditional baseball right there. And that's why I went with him. 
Yeah, he, so if, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you haven't, <laughs> and if anyone hasn't seen it, go watch Jolly Olive on uh, YouTube. He has a really good video called The Man, The Hall of Fame Forgot, and it's all about just Kenny Lofton. And it's really good. I've, I've watched it before. And it, it's called, it, the guy's name, um, it's called Jolly Olive. He does like a bunch of, he has 73,000 subscribers and he does a bunch of just like, like unfortunate, unfortunate careers in baseball. Like he has a video on Zambrano. It says the angriest pitcher in baseball history. Just, but the Kenny Lofton one, it was, I think it was actually three weeks ago. He put it up. It was really, it's oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, and it I talks about the case for Lofton, how the hall of fame just kind of like forgot about him, but it's like, he should be considered. And uh, yeah, he only received 3.2% of the vote and he was dropped on the ballot. Yeah. His last he, year. He played in an era when everyone was hitting home runs and he wasn't, but he was still just doing work. But because he will, everyone else was just putting up ridiculous like numbers. Yeah. Seems like he did everything but home runs. Yeah. Like, literally, that was the only thing. It was like, well, I'm not going to do that, but yeah. I'll that was a good I like for that you. Pick. No, I was like, I, that's what I was tossing out between. Like, so Beltran was my runner up because uh, he just had also really solid numbers. Like, he he's like top 10 all time. Beltran's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It, it, anticipating that they don't do anything with the Astros scandal against him. Yeah, but I don't know. Because he, was he already had a ton that. of work before that. Yeah, because like, that's why the Mets fired him, which is a whole oh, other... Oh, yeah. yeah. But he's a Hall of Famer. If, <laughs> you went with Kenny Lofner. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I was saying, like, I didn't want to pick a like a all-timer guy. And, like, I didn't really think about it, but I was, like, looking at Beltran's number, I was like, yeah, I guess legitimately is like across the board did a lot of stuff yeah and i saw kenny lofton just hanging there and i was like yeah you know what? he's the guy i like that you guys been yeah. with similar center fielder similar like tight center fielders yeah yeah like, a lot so, of, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in baseball i think it gets overlooked sometimes and yeah there's chase that's a good pick yeah. right there and i forgot about him actually so Loki hoping yeah. now for a home run derby between Coco Chris and Kenny Loft. Oh, <laughs> we can just do them anyways now. <laughs> I feel like we should do it. Let's just do it for fun, especially yeah, for tiebreakers. But I'm in. All right, all right. Well, yeah, no, we're gonna do it. But my pick, um, I'm ready for this. Little bit of a uh, this was a little tough, but again, Willie Mays probably the goat. But this one, he is a he's a Hall of Famer, great player. Then I went with Mr. Kirby Puckett. I saw him and I just thought about how I always think of Kenny Pickett. And then I secondly <laughs> almost picked him because I know he's on your poster. So there he is, right over there. He is, he is right over yeah. there. The legend Kirby Puckett. Yeah. So two of the guys on the poster now are on, on here. But so Kirby Puckett, he was the third overall pick in the draft. And he got promoted from single A to triple A because he was doing so well in single A and then only played 21 games at triple A before getting called up. Damn. <laughs> he only played 12 years in the league. But he was a 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, six-time Gold Glove winner, won a batting title. He led the league in hits four out of the 12 years he was in the league. 
and he racked up 2,300 hits in just 12 seasons. Dang, he's one of those – I mean, I know you got more, but he's one of those players that, like – He's a whole. Some people probably would be like, oh, we should play longer, but he, he left while still having a pretty solid – Oh, yeah, but there's a reason he left. Oh, okay. So, okay. He, um, so he was a top 10 in the MVP voting seven out of the 12 years he was in the league and top three three times, but he never won. Damn. This one year he should have won. Dennis, I think it was Dennis Eckersley as a closer, had like 50 saves and like a 1.9 OERA with like a three war, won the MVP. Ridiculous. But that's they used to do some weird MVP stuff. So he played his full career with the Twins, which is always cool to see. Finished his career as a 318 hitter. So he retired at 36 and his year prior, 1995, he had 314 with 23 homers, 99 RBIs in um, 140 games. So he wasn't declining by any means. In spring training uh, at 36, he woke up with no vision in his right eye and was diagnosed with glaucoma and central retinal vein inclusion. So he basically had to retire because he couldn't see any more in his one eye. Damn. Oh my gosh. I, I did not t- know him Michael Bisping and just pretend like he could, he could see. Yeah. So that's the reason he had to retire. But what could have been for him because he was 30 he was 36 and i mean you saw guys in the 90s at those old ages like i mean you saw someone like randy johnson who we talked about a couple podcasts ago just dominating at 38 and he was hitting 319 and 35 so he had some good years left in him probably could have gotten closer to 3,000 hits um and then he he ended up he got he gained a lot of weight after he retired whether that's he had some scandals and things but he ended up having a massive stroke in 2006 and died at the age of 45 rest in peace curry pocket but yeah just uh what could have been type career an all-time great career but what like a short career that could that was really great but could have been even um, more amazing yeah and i mean but 12 years 10 time all-star he got he got his it wasn't yeah. like it was like and a, he's a Hall of Famer. I know it's I, it's kind of a what it could have been, but yes, that's wild. And yeah, the eye thing, and then just kind of seems like it, his life got away from him. That's so his his prime was just so good that I I went with him. Was he an all natty guy? I always got to ask. Yeah, there's no. <laughs> I always got to ask in that time frame. He was so he. I mean, he were, his last year was 95, and I think a lot of the stuff happened after 95 oh uh, yeah yeah you're right a lot of at least people getting caught whether there was no yeah you're right it was that um, yeah. okay so you know if he kept playing who knows there was and there was never he was always considered this like great guy everyone loved him until after he retired and that's where things kind of took turns um he had some allegations against him and some other things that happened so. i like it ben and i didn't know much about him a little bit before my time so that's cool to hear about him doing now i'm a kirby bucket fan so you got yeah. me on the train all right yeah all right well so to recap we have uh kirby Puckett, mr kenny lofton and coco crisp as our three center fielders don't forget to uh to vote and we will have the results next week so oh, yeah. what are we doing next week we're gonna go uh closing pitcher and left field all right. I, like I, already have, I already have my left fielder. There's a Pat Burrell. No, it's not. I'm <laughs> guessing before you guess it right. I've had my left fielder since day one. 
Okay. I thought it was gonna be Paparol. <laughs> that's already out of the air, but I thought it was gonna be that. All right. So closing pitcher and um, left fielder. So we are gonna we're gonna go through the rest of them as the weeks come on. We are gonna do a DH as well. So look look for that. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying these these picks as much as we are. Again, I'm not doing the all time greats because what's where's the fun if we all picked Willie Mays and that or picked yeah. Second base Eddie Collins, who played in 1909. Oh yeah, he'd be a pain in the ass to make a player. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, obviously, we've done a lot of this player stuff, but there is a MLB season happening right now. And real quick, guys, back and forth off the top of your heads, who's leading every division right now? Let's see what you guys know. Um, Rays, AL East. Yep. Uh, Twins. Yep. Braves. Uh, Rangers. Yep. Who did you say, Chase? Braves. Yep. Uh, four for four. It's the Brewers. Nope. Ooh. Chase? Uh, the Reds. Yep. Oh, the Reds. I forgot their win streak. And it's, uh, I think, the, uh, the big win streak, too. Diamondbacks still on top? Yep. Okay. Pretty Dang. good. That was good. A lot of divisions wide open, so I figured I just – I asked you guys on the spot because yeah. it's been a crazy year so far. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you brought it up. We, we've, we talked a decent amount already about the Reds with Votto and Phyllis, but how about the Reds? I mean, Votto just came back and yeah. just hit two home runs in the one game. I mean, they got one of the most exciting young players in baseball and Dela Cruz. Hey, the Reds are, the Reds are doing it right now in that division. That's kind of up for grabs with Cardinals kind of still fading. Pittsburgh kind of faded too, and they'll probably be sellers at the at the deadline. But yeah, if the Reds buy here, that'd be interesting. Considering a year ago they sold off, and everyone was mad at their owner, and he said uh, basically go pound sand. And yeah, uh, Chase, I was literally going to say that. And yeah. now they're now they're contending for the playoffs. Yeah, that's wild. I know like the ace thing with them selling their team, but I just remember last year the owner basically uh, Bob Castellini. Think that's how you pronounce his name i just remember him being on the reds radio show and him basically being like yeah i don't care we're tanking i want our team to not win any games and all the fans were so pissed and one year later which baseball is not like the nba or the nfl you can't easily build a a good winning team yeah and they yeah. have they have even another one or two prospects that couldn't they probably can call up in the next couple of months that could help them too but yeah also yeah to your point chase the cardinals i don't know what happened but ever since the phillies not they had a great season last year and the phillies knocked them out in that wild card round and they've just been a mess ever since i want i don't know if you guys call any of the london series this weekend that was um that was pretty cool yeah phillies mets are there next year yep yeah phillies yeah. mets are there next year we'll be at one of the games probably not but maybe and if I go to London, I'm probably not going to go to a baseball game just because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I called the London series this weekend in the car. It's just weird. Like Goldschmidt, Arenado, Wainwright was pitching like all of these just all probably future Hall of Famers. And they're just playing like dirt bags right now. I don't even understand it. Have you seen any of the rumors as far as trades? There was a, some rumors going around with Goldschmidt and the Phillies. Are you serial? Yeah, actually, my dad brought that up. He yeah. said that. Yeah. Would you do it though? Because it would require um, it would require uh, like Painter. I mean, I don't know, Abel. Like, I don't know. I don't, it just 
Mm. Yeah, it'd, be a, it'd be a tough one. Like, obviously, having him in the lineup is huge, but. I mean, for Painter, though, I don't know. Do you remember last year when the Reds announcer got fired? Oh, yeah, for his comments. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had to make an apology later, and Cassiano said a home run. <laughs> I was thinking about how I was. I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos it will be a home run and so that'll make it a four nothing ball game just like how he says the thing that he says like there was a just hilarious there was a video of Castellanos of just bad home but of bad home run timings of Castellanos and it was really funny like that's there's been other times apparently that he's done. I'm about to look that up. Yeah, so the Cardinals, uh, I guess depending on what they could get in return, it would make sense for them to sell off pieces, but I don't think it's going to be a total tear it down and rebuild it unless they just lose out for the next month straight. Yeah, and it just, I mean, it's tough. Like if the Phillies wanted Goldschmidt, for example, you know, giving up someone like Painter, that's a big ask. And that's, I mean, he's, he's as close as you can get to a, you know, top prospect and, you know, they don't want to sacrifice their future either. So, yeah. Yeah. If he was like a Grayson Rodriguez type where he's like 25 and yeah, kind of middling and that's what they would take, I would 100% do it. But obviously he's not, he's 19 and has a lot of potential left. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the NL East, I mean, a matchup this past weekend, Phillies Mets. Yeah. I think it's time to wrap up, wrap up the season for the Mets. You're already calling <laughs> calling the towel. Are you serious? I mean, so it's not, it's not the fact that the Mets are losing. It's the fact that the way they are losing. And this past game is not the first instance of them losing in this type of fashion this season. It is not just an overreaction to one game. It's, first of all, Buckshaw Walter should be fired. He's not going to be fired because Billy Epler doesn't want to act like he just signed a manager for only two years and then go back on that. And Steve Cohen's not going to do it because he doesn't want to probably be overreactionary and be have have that, like, had their reputation as an owner. So he's not going to probably do that either. But you have this game yesterday, which Beatty, I mean, bad error. He should get blamed too. But you have these pitchers. Adovino was available, said he was available. Robertson was available, said he was available. You put in two guys who weren't even on the starting roster at the beginning of the year, who they were just AAA. They've been in AAA. That's basically where they've been their whole careers. When you put them in these big spots, and you're like trying to get some momentum and they just they can't and there's a this just this team is they had 101 wins last year they'd have their 42nd loss which that's what it was against the phillies they didn't have that until august 12th last year this year it's just it's kind of blown up in their face they haven't got the production from their starting pitching um they have like they have i don't know what the record was but they have so so many games with seven or eight runs where they've lost, given up nine runs, 10 runs. And you just, you can't win games like that. So it's just, it's tough to watch this team right now. And if they don't win three out of four against the Brewers here at the end of June, they're not going to have 
won a single series in June. Do you think they have a chance of finishing in fourth place in the NL East this year? They, yeah, they have a chance, but it's just not... Because uh, the Marlins are overperforming, right? Yeah, I mean, this is also part of why you don't trade all these young guys. I mean, you look at, like, the trades they've made over the course of the last few years, Pico Armstrong to the Cubs for a half year of Javi Baez, like top prospect now with the Cubs. And they're just, you know, money is great, but there's got to be some development involved. And the team is just not, they don't play, they're not playing with any enthusiasm. They're not playing like they want to win. They're just not playing like, they're not playing team baseball at all. And they're just, they don't seem prepared at all, which is why I don't think Buck he's not doing what he needs to do to get this team ready to win ball games. And that's why I, I think he should, the game against the Phillies is a perfect example of a game that can get managers fired. When you have your eighth and ninth inning guys available, don't use them in the eighth inning up three runs and lose the game. Anyway, that's the end of my Mets rant. <laughs> I hope that they prove me wrong, but uh, as a Mets fan for a while, I feel confident that they're not going to. It's the end of that. And they traded Eduardo Escobar, by the way, to the Angels, and he's done done pretty well last two games. But they got two pitching prospects. I think it was like the 18th and 20th prospects for the Angels. Probably a couple of reliever arms, but I don't hate that trade. I think that was a decent move. I mean, they still have like a good core, I feel like. Superstars that they have, Verlander and Scherzer are just over the hill. They're old. Scherzer's been – they've been pitching better. Bullpen's a huge issue. Then you have Alonzo who's going to hit home runs. Still doesn't really hit clutch home runs. He hits home runs, but honestly, a lot of the times, if you watch the Mets games, most of his home runs are not in any big spot. And Lindor is playing fine. 15 home runs, 50 RBIs before the All-Star break in June is great. 220 is not. It's <laughs> under 800 OPS is not. You know, you're hoping Beatty – Alvarez, Vientos, guys like that can step up and perform. Is there anyone you'd be willing to trade at the deadline? Like, is there, like, do you want it? Because you're talking about maybe packing it in. Is this trade deadline coming up here in like two, three weeks? Is that you want to see some moves the other way or you want to ride up the season? I'm always optimistic as a fan. I hate dumping players, especially from fans of them. But I don't think you can trade Lindor or Alonzo. I think you can certainly trade someone like Scherzer. However, I think he has a pretty significant no-trade clause, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, Verlander, same thing. I would trade him, but I think he also has a no-trade clause. Guys like Mark Canna. Robobotch could definitely be gone. I mean, Tommy Pham's been hitting well. They could get stuff for him. That, that would be fine. He's been actually playing pretty well, honestly. He's got his batting average up to like 260, eight home run. Like, he's performing a lot better. And last time we talked about him, they're in a tough spot. And Diaz really, really hurt that team, losing him and having to deal with Robertson and Adovino as the eighth and ninth and just made – they've been pitching okay, but the rest of the bullpen just got so shallow because of that. And nobody stepped up. Yeah. yeah, no, good points. And Chase kind of just swing our way because, I mean, the Braves are still – they're just so good. But the Phillies have been – think they're playing a little bit better than they were at this point last year they seem to be playing a lot more consistent ball but I wanted to see your thoughts and also I just want to go back to the bullpen because for the last like two weeks now since they actually got swept by the Mets they've been playing a lot better baseball 
And I feel like they're getting production from guys in the bullpen. I didn't think they would be like, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I've been like kind of crapping on their bullpen all year, but it seems like they're playing like, well, like team baseball, like every guy that gets called into the position he's into does a pretty good job. I don't know if you think that way or. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think they're getting a lot of good value out of their starters too. Like they're getting quality starts from them and it's not putting the bullpen in a precarious spot. You know what I mean? Obviously using Strom and bullpen games is not a great method either, but at least like Walker and Suarez, Wheeler, Nola, they've all kind of turned it around here and been solid guys. So I feel like that definitely helps out the bullpen and I think they're still without Sarah Anthony, but you know, that's a big boost whenever he's able to get back and if he can round into form too, because he's a little shaky here and there, but yeah, they definitely have been pretty surprised and, it's funny because when you like you look at your team, you're def- you're debating whether or not they're contenders, and then you say, okay, well, what do you need? And for a while, it was like you almost need a whole new bullpen at this point, and that's not that's not going to happen. But if you only need one or two guys, that's definitely more than capable. You can definitely do that at a trade deadline. Obviously, it's going to cost some players, but I feel like whether they're adding, getting back Derek Hall for first base and you know just getting back some of these guys it's definitely helping a lot but yeah i mean i also think that the manager has a lot to do with sometimes their shortcomings but i think the players overall are definitely coming into form and castellanos i like get a power like i think i don't think he's gonna have like 30 moments for some reason but he's just like not gonna he might but it's just not gonna happen and He's really been productive other than that. So, I'll, you know, it's been a nice thing to see this year. That's been that's not just a beginning half of the year thing. Like, he's been steady. Yeah, well, I feel like the Phillies, their bullpen, like, even during their runs, they didn't have, like, the same consistent bullpen every year. I feel like they always just needed to plug a few pieces in here or there. But right now, I mean, they definitely have the names to do it. So, I guess, like, that could be – a couple moves that they could maybe like you said like one or two guys I mean Robertson was great last year Kimbrell's doing well but I mean I guess you're right the starters I didn't even think about that Suarez has come off the IL and he's pitched I know his win loss record isn't maybe there but he's been pitching well Taiwan Walker is I I really like him I liked him in Seattle he did pretty well for the Mets last year he actually did really well for the Mets last year yeah a couple years yeah a couple years there Mm -hmm. and I like that pickup, but I mean, do they have a fifth? Like, was it just maybe going to be Painter and then he got hurt, or do they are they just going to ride Strom and saw Christopher Sanchez got a start? And I mean, they, I think the hope was to get Painter in, but uh, obviously he's hurt, and I don't. I think that was also the problem is they didn't go out and just get an extra arm just because, and I think that's kind of hurting them right now because I mean, Strom can start a game, I guess, but. He's kind of like a hybrid guy right now. Like, he's okay starting, he's okay relieving, but I don't think he's going to be great at either. Yeah, that's a – I mean, I would be okay if they made, like, a bullpen move or two, I feel like. But the the Goldschmidt one, Ben, I didn't even hear that. But that's kind of weird because then you have, like, what, what happens next year. <laughs> yeah, because Hoskins is a free agent at the end of the year, yeah. so. And, like, you would think, like, outfield maybe two, but – then it's like, well, Harper at some point is going to play in the outfield again. So then you have now four guys with Marsh and 
Yeah. Oh, Hoskins is a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at the end of this year he's a free agent. Okay, but so yeah, it just kind of makes like a weird spot. And I mean, Goldschmidt would be nice. He's obviously a proven commodity, but I don't know how much he's actually making either, too. So I don't know if you'd have to give back somebody that's just making money to make it work. Definitely interesting. I feel like they're going to end up getting someone. It just depends. And for a long time, people wanted Christian Walker, who Ryan and I, we definitely have a, a tie to that. Do you remember? Who? Yeah, we used to play soft- Christian Walker. We used to play softball with his gym teacher in high school. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Christian Walker is from around here. And I know a lot of people wanted to get him, but obviously the Diamondbacks are doing well, and he's been playing pretty well, too, with them. So that probably wouldn't happen. Maybe in years past, but he would have been kind of a nice fit in the Phillies lineup. You still want Mike Trout? <laughs> I don't know. See, the thing is, is when Otani struck him around the World Baseball Classic, I was like, maybe he's not, like, as clutch in, the, in a moment like that as possible. It's also Otani, and I know it's a ridiculous thing to say, but he hasn't played in the playoffs, and I don't know if that gene exists in Mike Trout anymore. Yeah, well, the the crazy thing, I mean, just to talk, like, because Ben's talking about potentially being sellers, we're talking about maybe being buyers. But last season, like, the Phillies just snuck in – as a wildcard team, and it was their first playoff run in literally a decade. Yeah. And they just happened to have, like, a ridiculously magical one. But it's wild to just see that, like, six months later, we're, like, complete opposite ends right now. I mean, like, do the like do you think the Phillies have the capabilities to make another run, or do you think that's why they have to make moves to be able to do that? I mean, they got think- Trey Turner – yeah, I think it's a little both a little bit. I think they're still trying to figure each other out. And Trey Turner obviously has been coming on of late, but you hope it continues more and he lives up to that because they're obviously missing a piece in their lineup last year. And I don't know if it was 100% Trey Turner, but it definitely makes a difference if he's in there. And the reason why I feel like they need to buy the deadline is they definitely need another starter down the stretch. Like you can't be doing a five a bold every five days for an entire season. I feel like that's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know they're going to shorten up, but yeah. And I know the Rays like doing that. And there was a, there was a streak there where a lot of teams were doing it, especially because starters were only going like five, six, not even a lot of them go seven all the time anymore. But like, I don't know, the angels a few weeks ago had a six man rotation going and I'm like, what the heck? We're literally at a four. So these guys are, Definitely, they're not missing any of their starts. And come playoff time, then you're just going to stick with them. So now, like, it'd be nice to just have one more guy, at least for some season games. I mean, there's going to be, with this weather anymore, there's so many postponements. You're just going to have more and more doubleheaders. And I don't want to just be having, like, maybe one or two bullpen games a week. I don't like that at all. Especially when our starters have been playing well. Like, if they get someone else that's, like, decent – you can maybe go like six, seven innings, give up four or five runs, give us a chance instead of just like your two inning guy. And it's like, well, about to stretch the bullpen. And if it's a close game, we're going to use everybody today. Like, I don't like that. Right. And another thing that bothered me too about the playoffs, and I'm sure other teams feel this way, but you get predictable after a while. Like, we kept going to Alvarado to go against Alvarez. And he obviously did it in game six and Alvarez crushed a home run off of him and flipped a game. And 
I don't want that to be the case where these guys are getting thrown out so much. They get a little predictable. They're pros, obviously. They can make adjustments, but it happens. And especially in the playoffs, you're using every every piece of intel you can get. So I feel like the more options you have, the better off you're going to be in the long run. And I know you're not going to use your fifth starter all the time in the playoffs, but just going in, like, I don't want Noah and Wheeler. Like, I'm sure they're throwing as hard as they can right now to make up for a little bit of lost time to start the season. And obviously for Noah, it's a contract year, so he wants the best statistical year he can have yeah. to maximize his value. So, Yeah, and speaking of starting pitcher, I mean, the Mets, they have David Peterson right now who's starting as acting as their fifth starter, who's starting tomorrow, one and six with an 8.08 ERA this year, and he's coming off AAA been down for about a month with like a six ERA and he's now back up with the Mets. They're so there's so shallow, but so there's, but that's also just, there is like the Phillies could find a fifth starter. Yeah. So, I mean, the Brewers found Julio Tehran and he's starting the Mets tomorrow night and he's been dealing. Dude's got a yeah. 1.53 ERA so far and four starts maybe, but I yeah, mean, thank. he's, He's he's got it back. Yeah. He's doing yeah, something. He rolled the clock back. All that good juju we're putting on this podcast. Yeah, that's magic here. That's us. After further review, started that. Yeah, yeah, and kind of just real quickly before I know we're gonna we're coming up here towards the end of the show. But Ben talks a lot about Buck Show Walter Chase, and I haven't got to talk to you at all about it at all because like the Phillies had the like the Ryan Sandberg thing going on a couple of years ago, and that didn't really work out. And Rob Thompson kind of comes in. Dave Kapler. Um, oh, yeah, Kapler was there for a few years. Like, that didn't really pan out. And, yeah, and, like, last year, I mean, Joe Girardi was a huge fan of Rob Thompson, had him around forever. Rob Thompson comes in, has this magical run, which ultimately, like, being a Philly fan, I know that fans are going to be harsh because of this run. Now the expectation is set much higher. And so this doesn't make it any easier for Rob Tom Thompson, but I didn't know what, like you would grade him so far. If you like him, don't like him. Think he has a chance to be like, I don't know, like, could he be here for the next three seasons or is there like with Bryce and everything, they're still trying to like win now. And if he doesn't yeah. replicate even like half of what we did, you know, get to the playoffs consistently or I don't know what your thoughts were about him. I mean, I don't mind him, but yeah. I mean, at the end of last year, like his goal before the season started last year was to retire at the end of the year. Then obviously he gets the managerial job and they make the playoffs and that kind of put thing on hold. But I would say last year obviously deserves like a B or higher because he got them to where they were and they were in the playoffs and he made a lot of great moves in the playoffs. He knew exactly when to push the right buttons. And then it came to the world series and maybe overthought it a little bit because he was making a lot of good moves. And then he was like, maybe it just got into his head, but this year, I would say maybe like a, like a C plus or B. Like he's like, there's sometimes where I think he gets in this mode where like he just he has like a lot of trust in his guys, and it's the same thing with like Buck Showalter. Where like they just they're like the older guys just ride their guys like no matter what. Like they just put all their faith in it, and regardless of the results, they're like I know they're a good player and they're gonna pull through, and you gotta play them because they'll get rusty and all the typical verbiage around it but at the same time it seems like he overthinks it like when he, go, when he goes to like the bullpen or he'll pull someone out or he'll take wheeler out after like so many pitches or like sometimes it's like i, I get he doesn't want to leave a guy in there too long and then it turns into a giant 
mess and then you end up having to use the same amount of guys anyways and in a lot worse of position but i don't know what it is maybe it's just coming into this year and the pressure and stuff like that but he can definitely rebound i mean every team that we're talking about that's out could go on a win streak and get back in it and every team that's hot right now could go cold and lose it but so i think maybe it's just like a little bit of like he's off still trying to figure out the players the players were cold and he's still like there's still a lot of like feeling out process maybe sounds dumb because a, a giant majority of the core is the exactly the same as the world series team you just added 300 million dollars plus into it yeah well i mean we'll see how it plays out i really hope bryce can get back in the field because then it'll give tom some more flexibility we talk about schwarber's on the outfield every day castiano's on the outfield every day jt like jt got tired last year in the playoffs and i love him and i want him to be playing almost every day but they got to maybe play Stubbs a couple more times back yeah. there. I mean, I'm sure JT's cool with it because he loves catching, but it'd be nice. Like, obviously, that would make Rob Thompson's life a whole lot easier. And obviously, if like Schwarber and Turner hit like 30 points better each in their batting mm-hmm. average, like think little things like that makes his life easier. But yeah, I don't know. I don't get like the full skipper vibe from him, but I'm behind him and he had the one great run. And if Ben always, you guys always say you sneak into the playoffs. The MLB playoffs is crazier than any of the playoffs. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. care what people think, but you got to just get in. And now with the three-game series in the wild card round, I mean, the Braves are good, and we don't know what's going on with the Marlins. They're still winning and get the extra wild card spot. So you just hope the NL Central keeps playing like they are. So that leaves extra spots for the NL East for both of us, but – Right. Yeah, I want to get your take on Rob Thompson because we haven't talked about him much at all. So yeah, and real quick too, I think a lot of it, uh, a big majority of his success too, is he has really good assistant coaches on his staff that do a really good job. Like their hitting coach and their pitching coach, they're getting a lot of good work out of them. And Christian Pache, he was a below average offensive player in Oakland and he's been serviceable to say the least in Philly offensively. We talked about him. A good yeah. flyer pickup. Yeah, and defensively you know what you're gonna get. He's really solid, has a good arm, but offensively you're just waiting for him to put together and they've they've worked on him and he was hurt a little bit, but he's been serviceable. He doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like I can see now from the beginning of the season when he claimed him. So now there's an obvious difference in and his stuff. So I think it's another big thing for Rob Thompson is like he gets a lot of good value from his coaches. So I don't know. That's true. That always helps. Yeah. I think it makes up for like some differences. Yeah. But, that's yeah. good. Chase, I like when you pop off like that. It's that's a lot of knowledge. I mean, you guys, Ben, you did it with the Mets and Chase. We got to get these segments in more because there's a lot. I'm sure there's plenty of Mets and Phillies fans that are listening. And so it's it's nice to break down our individual teams some too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, as, and as we close it out, just two quick things about the Mets. They def, they're only seven games under 500. They could easily come back and push for a wild card, but so I don't want to sound like a big Debbie Downer. Two quick, two quick things on top of that. One, they're 21 and three when they have a starter that goes six or more innings this year. Mm-hmm. And they're 14 and 39 in all other games. <laughs> I mean, that's kind so, of just what Chase said, yeah. how, like, the Phillies yeah. have been playing well and their starters are going six. Yeah. Man, that I bet you right now that's the most underrated part of today's game with pitch counts. And you you guys said, like, being frightened yeah. and pulling. 
if well, you could just let your starter go six. Well, and league average, I think, is like 650. Like, winning percentage is like 650. Dang. That's crazy. That's so – I mean, I don't know if it's underrated, but it's just like get guys that can go. Yeah. Like, that's why mm-hmm. I loved Eflin so much when he was here. I mean, I don't – he's on the Rays now, right? So, yeah. I don't know yeah. how. He's doing well. I don't he's know doing how good. Often, but I, I mean, know they probably pull him a lot, too, because it's the Rays. But just you just got to get guys like yeah. – I, I mean, that's know. the thing. Like, tonight, Verlander – Five scoreless innings, but he had 100 pitches, five innings. Then they yeah. pull him. Next guy, Drew Smith, two-run homer. Now they're losing two to one. Yeah. So and it's the same. Five, I mean, four – we always – like, old-time baseball, it was like set-up closer. Then, like, when we were growing up, it was like you need your seventh, eighth, and ninth. And that it's hard. Bullpen, get four guys. You know what you need? Don't I uh, <laughs> close the show? We don't even need to go there. Don't even say it. Appreciate it, for everyone, for listening. Fun episode today on After Further Review. Don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, vote, and we'll see you guys soon. Three inning closes are trash. Peace, everyone.